0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Well, good morning. Uh, like Mason just said, I am Heath Cadell, the lead pastor here at Reach. i um, grateful that you guys are going to journey with us this morning. Um, we're going to be in, actually, we're doing all of John 9 today. So if you'd like to have your Bibles in front of you, we're going to be there in just a minute. Um, and if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen right there. <laughs> Thanks, John. I uh, appreciate that. Um, I was told that I kept saying that it's behind you and everybody's looking to the back wall, but it's not. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So here's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, how essential do you think sight is? Pretty essential. Like you ever, you know, try to walk around an unknown area with your eyes closed. Um, it can be quite painful. It can be Kind of painful even you walk around areas that you do know, like your own house. Um, I remember when our kids were little, um, there was Lego mi- landmines everywhere. Uh, and if you've never stepped on a Lego, um, unaware, I'm not talking about like, let me see how much this hurts. But I'm talking about full force, just walking around your house and stepping on one of them things. Whoo! Um but I don't think we under—I don't think I understood how essential sight was, or more that I took it for granted um, up until I hit 45. I'm 47 now. Um, when I was about 38 or 39, I went to the eye doctor, and I've—I've I've been 20, 20, 2015 20, my whole life, and uh, my friend who's the eye doctor was like, "Hey, you have astigmatism, and when you hit, you know, in your 40s." your eyes are going to stop doing what they're doing now, and you're going to probably need reading glasses. And I was like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. No. And I made it into my 40s, 41, 42. I didn't increase the font on my phone yet. And I was like, man, this is great. I made fun of other people that had big fonts on their phone. One of my pastor friends, I was like, whoa. God's got a good sense of humor. And then about 45... One day, I picked up my phone, and I looked down at it, (laughs) I was like, and so for a little bit, I increased the font, and I got away with that, and then about three or four months after that, I went to Walmart, and I bought me some reading glasses. And um, like I said, I'm usually a two page note guy. The better, the the worse my site gets, the more pages I'm going to get. It's probably not going to get more notes. It's just going to be bigger font. And I think I've, I started out at like 10 or 11 and now I'm at 12, 13 is coming. So I just, I don't, I don't want to like mess with glasses, but it's just unusual. Like when it's something that you don't think about, you're like, man, it's great. And if you have worn glasses your entire life, you're like, dude, you have no idea how much the seeing and seeing clearly is a big, a big deal. And sometimes when your prescription changes, you're unaware how much you're not seeing until you get a better prescription, and you're like, oh my goodness, look at what I can see now. Until you go into the mirror and be like, woo, like, like what happened? Um, So what we're going to do today is we're going to look through John 9, and the story is a man that is born blind, uh, receiving his sight for the first time. And so what we're going to ask today um, is why is this important? So when you, when you read things in the Bible, you should be almost asking, like, so what? Like, what does this matter? What is this doing? And I, I want to tell you, not everything has an application just for you right now. I don't want you to read every text and be like, that's for today, right now. It probably has some principle or some meaning, but not everything translates into, like, this is the scenario that I'm going in. Uh, we should probably be a little cautious of using the Bible for, like, <laughs> like this is the word of the Lord for me today. But uh, I read this section today, and if you're um, reading along with us in the One Year Bible, um, you read this this week, and there's so much stuff going on. I mean, I don't want to even get into, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but like we got man born blind, and then two chapters later we have Lazarus. Um, Jesus is showing himself through John who he is. And if if you read the chapters leading up to this, he is like beating it into the mind's of the religious people of the day, who he is, because they didn't see him. They didn't see him at all. They didn't understand who he was. And so before we get into the word, I'm going to pray. Uh, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Um, Lord, we thank you that you secured your word to us in the Bible. We thank you that we have um, uh, the divine Presence of not only what you did, but what you want to tell us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. And Lord, I just pray, I speak to the blindness that we're unaware of. I speak to that prescription change in the Holy Spirit in our lives that we could see clearly today the things that. We haven't seen, Lord, we want to see clearly so that we could walk in the light, so that we could step over things, so we don't trip and fall. But Lord, we need your grace, and we acknowledge that there is no sight, there is no understanding without your involvement in our life. And so, Lord, we just ask for more, Lord, that we would never be satisfied with what we have of you, that we would always want more of you, and that we would always want to give you more of us. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So one thing before we get into this, because um, I'm unaware, if anyone's blind in the room, I don't know that. I haven't met you yet, so sorry. Um, but I'm assuming that all of us have some level of sight. And so not that I want to talk about just the physical sight being restored, but I want to talk about this idea that not all blindness is physical. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I haven't been on my social media soapbox for a little bit, but I just want to say that if you are still like perusing social media... Um, you see how dark our world has become, how crazy our world has become, how far from God our world has become, and how blinded people are to it, even us. Even us. And part of that is because until Jesus opens our eyes, we cannot see the damage and the danger and the things that are going on around us. Jesus spoke in these things, and this isn't a parable, but Jesus spoke in parables, which is a story to communicate his point, and a lot of times, those around him didn't understand what was actually being taught, even his disciples, I say this a lot, you know, his disciples were around him, They're like, good word, Jesus, good word, Jesus, good word, and then they walk away from the crowd, and they're like, Jesus, what were you talking about? Like I didn't get it either, and he was like, "Man, how long am I gonna be with you? How clueless are you gonna be?" Uh, in Matthew 13:14, he's talking about this because people are questioning, "Why don't you just speak plainly? Why don't you just tell us what you want to tell us?" And if you're reading along in John, he does a lot of that. He just tells them over and over and over again, as far as telling um, the. Pharisees, which are the religious leaders of the day of the Jewish people, that they were sons of the devil. like and you don't not how to win friends and influence people by looking around the crowd to those that are in charge of going, "Hey, you know who your daddy is, the devil. Don't say that to your spouse or people that you love. Um, it never goes well. Uh, but in Matthew 13:14 it says, indeed, in their case. The prophesy, prophecy from Isaiah is fulfilled that says you will indeed hear and will never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive. There were those, the religious people today that were literally waiting. They knew more than any of the others exactly what needed to happen. They knew what the Messiah was going to do, where he was going to be born. They knew the prophetic they knew the words. They had memorized it. It wasn't like, man, I haven't read that in a while. They knew it. It was in their hearts. And they still didn't see him when he walked on the scene. Right before this in chapter 8, he well, actually 7, 8, um, he just goes through and he's like over and over again. He was like, you don't see it. You don't understand it. Like if you knew, if you knew God, if you knew Abraham, if you knew Moses, you would know me. If you love those people, if you love the word, you would love me. And he made a comment about Abraham of knowing Abraham. And they're like, You're not even 50. Like, how do you know Abraham? And he makes this statement. It's just crazy. For those that are like, you know, you know, Jesus didn't really talk about his divinity, he didn't really talk about who he was. He did. It was all throughout there. You just have to see it. And he said, Before Abraham was, I am. And you know what they did? They're like, Preach it, brother. Man, that's a good word. No, they picked up stones and they were ready to kill my man because you, they knew what he was saying. When he says, before Abraham was, I am, he was saying, I am God. He was proclaiming. This is the statement when it talks about the Son of God, Messiah. When it talks about I am, what it was a phrase that was used last week, he's letting the crowd know who he is. And they didn't like that. (laughs) They didn't like that at all, so much so that they were going to stone him. And I I loved, you know, when when they were ready to kill him, but Jesus wasn't ready, they couldn't touch him. It says that if you keep reading, a little bit later, uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, they don't want to just kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus also. Why? Because his testimony was pointing people to Jesus, and they were believing because of him. Okay, so I'm going to go through a lot of text. I'm actually, there's 45, I think, verses. That's why I'm, I have three pages today. Um, and I'm going to go through all of this because I think from beginning to end, we need to hear it. We need to understand what's going on. And we need to see the implications of what is happening here. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1, chapter 9. It says, as he passed by, this is important, he saw a man born uh, blind from birth. So as Jesus is walking by, remember, remember, he just left telling the crowd before Abraham, I was, they picked up stones to stone him. And as he's leaving, he sees this man and he didn't go, man, I got to get out of town. I got to get out of here before they kill me. He sees an opportunity and he says this over and over again. What the father asks, I do. I only go where the father leads me and I'm of the father's business. But the important part is, and we, we talked about this last week too, is that Jesus wasn't surprised by what was getting ready to happen. He didn't like he was walking down the road and he was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, born blind, like we're going to deal with that. No, no, no. Jesus saw him because he was looking for him. Just like Zacchaeus, when he was up in the tree, he, he knew that Zacchaeus was going into the tree before Zacchaeus went into the tree. And he saw this man born blind. And, and we, we're not told why he knows and why the disciples know. Maybe he has been there for years and decades and it's just a fixture. Everybody knows. Let's just call him Bob. Everybody knows Bob has been there forever. And they know his story because he's been a fixture of this community. Verse 2, it says, And his disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. It was a common understanding that if something happened to you, some ailment or something bad happened to you, it was happening to you because of sin. It was happening because you did something wrong. And they're like, he was born blind, so like, was he like mad in the mom's womb? And he's like, <clears throat> kidneys, sinner, born blind. Because some of you kids you know, the hour rough. Like I, I remember seeing things like my, when my wife was like super pregnant towards the end, I'm like, you know, you, it's like aliens shape of the stomach. Like it's like, so Did was, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just put a, an image in your head. Like they didn't pop out of the stomach like that, you know, but you know it was before the skin breaks. Okay. Um, everybody that's like, I don't know what aliens is. Don't watch it. Okay. Um, and so, you know, but it's just, it's just crazy. They're, 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 they're like, did he sin? Did the baby sin before he was born, or did their parents do something and then caused this ailment to happen? Because that was the understanding across the board that if you're, if something happens to you, and we do this, and let me just tell you, if if you hear nothing else from me today, if you hear nothing else from me today. Not every bad thing happens to you is happening because you've done something wrong. And we do that like something happens to us and we're like, "Ooh, I forgot to confess. I was speeding yesterday. And if you were driving on um, 74 last night, between 830 and 930, you probably got pulled over. Um, I was meeting my son and he had a headlight out. Guess what? Ticket. Um, Anyway, I was like, serious. But, you know, here he is um, completely unaware of what's actually going on. Um, and they they just want to figure it out because they're like, hey, if something bad happens, it's because of this. And they wanted to understand that. This is what's going on with the disciples. They weren't like, they weren't they weren't even thinking, hey, Jesus is about to heal this man. They're just like, hey, because they wanted to know. And I think you need to know that every bad thing, every thing that happens to you, isn't happening just because. And um, good news is, um, this summer we're gonna go uh, verse by verse through James. Uh, I think third week in um, June we're starting, and we'll, we'll talk about suffering beginning and the end of James, and, and, and we'll get some more clarity on this. But this, this is, this, verse 3 is why I'm preaching this message today. And Jesus answered them, says, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this is the thought that came into my head. And this this is not a good thought necessarily because it includes suffering. What are you willing to endure so that the glory of God would made be manifest in your life? This this man spent who knows how many years. He is an adult in this culture adult is like over 13, but he could be 25 he could be 35 we don't know how old he is but he is considered an adult and for however long he had been sitting on the side of the road blind in their culture they could not do anything else there was no other work available for them. there were no government programs to make sure that he could have a job to get paid the government program was you sit near the church and you beg and hopefully by the generosity of strangers you would have enough to live and exist and eat But what? Are you willing? Because this is something that we hear and see over and over again. And I think a lot of the things that we go through, God wants to use for our benefit, not our destruction. He wants to use to build his kingdom and build you. Verse 4, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. There will be a time when the work is finished. That time is not done. And I I think for believers, that time does not end until we cease to exist. Your work is In the kingdom does not end when you hit retirement and start collecting money at the end of, you know, I don't know what year it is now, 66. It'll be like 80 before I retire. Um, There's no, you know, there's no end. As long as we're in the kingdom, as long as the light of life is in us, there's work to be done. Because when we die, our mission ends. Ours. Not the mission. Our mission. Verse 6. Having said these things, oh, I love this. Having said these things, he spits on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. Okay? And I've said this before. If you've been around REACH for a while, there's a reason why Jesus doesn't do this very often. Because if Jesus healed people like this a lot, they would be like dirt bins up front and a lot of phlegmy people. They're like, I got this. I got this. Oh, come come on up. Come on up. You you got your back's hurting. Come on up. Well, you know, like everybody's like, no, no, I'm good. I'll keep it. I don't need to see. I mean, he didn't ask this man either. He didn't be like, hey, dude, I'm about to spit in some dirt and rub it on your face. He just spit. Could you imagine his eyes are closed? And I don't know what conversation he's heard so far. There's no indication in the word that Jesus like, hey, I'm about to heal you. He just hears this loogie. He's like, okay, they didn't spit on me. That's good. And then, you know, somebody just comes up and starts rubbing something on his face. You're like, okay. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's had stuff thrown on him. I'm sure he's not seen it all, but he's experienced it all. <clears> That's <throat> why Jesus heals never in the same way, I think, because we, we want a pattern. And Jesus did not want you to have a pattern. He wants you to have a person. And that person is Jesus. Verse 7. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. See, the, the thing that's connected to this pool is this pool has history. This pool was connected to David. This pool was um, and is still the only source of fresh weather within the walls of this ancient Jerusalem. And they had rebuilt this temple, I mean this pool, and he, he tells him to go and do something. Can you imagine? Okay, so he just got spit-filled mud wiped on his face, and at this point, from the text, he is not seeing. He says, go to this pool. We don't know how he gets there. Does someone take him there? Is he so familiar with the route that he's, he knows how to get there? But someone takes him to the pool, and until he washes, he doesn't see, at least from the text. You know, what's crazy is, and I think this is important, you know, sometimes God asks us to walk in obedience, and we think, like we talked about with Peter, that as soon as we step out on the water, the storm ends, and everything's perfect, and we get it. I think a lot of time, the way God works is He he speaks a healing, He speaks something to you, and you have to walk in it to see it happen. This healing did not happen until He went and washed. He came back seeing. All these years, no sight at all, Jesus heals him. And I love this. Jesus, we don't see any real interaction with Jesus and this man other than what we just read until the very end. So Jesus walks this miracle in this man's life, isn't even there when he receives his sight. And something happens. The bulk of what we're going to read now is the interaction with, This man in his community, this man in the temple. And then at the end, we're going to come back when Jesus has some conversations with him. Verse eight, it says the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said it is he and others said no, but it was like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Can you imagine like you're sighted? For the first time, and I don't know how neurologically that works, because our brain as a child, when our sight is developing, when we're figuring out that this color is this color and this is this, can you imagine never seeing anything and seeing colors for the first time, seeing it, I'm sure it was confusing, like, oh my gosh, this is what a chair looks like? I've only bumped into it, I have no idea, and everything's new. And I'm sure he was like going through the neighborhood like, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but I can see. And the neighbors are like, man, is this the guy? And he keeps saying, it's me, it's me. Like, I can see. So they said to them, how were your eyes open? Which is an important question. And he answered, the man called Jesus, made mud. He left the spit off of there. (laughs) Made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Shalom and wash So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. You don't know where Jesus is. He is just excited. And I forgot to say this a second ago. One cool thing about this. I want to jump back for just a second. Jesus used the mud to bring the healing. Uh, This is the second miracle that has happened from that substance. You know what the first was? us. So when God created man, he took the dust of the ground and he, cre- he breathed the life into it. And here Jesus is using that same substance that he brought life to us to bring sight to this man. Just side note, I forgot to say that. Um, verse 13, it says, and so the community is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I think them bringing him to um the Pharisees wasn't like, we're about to out Jesus. I think they were bringing him to the Pharisees to be like, this is a legitimate miracle. God needs to be praised. Verse 13, and they brought him to the Pharisee. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who'd been formerly blind. And now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him, How is it you received his sight? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees says, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. the one thing that you're going to see through this whole pattern here is their um, labeling of Jesus as a sinner has only to do with their rules or their modification of the rule. God didn't say, hey, you cannot do good on the Sabbath. At all, and, and Jesus wasn't like, oh man, I'm going to just break this one rule. He was like, no, 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 you've got the rule wrong. I need you to understand that, and I'm going to teach you through this. Um, and, but others said, how can... Um, He who is sinner do such signs. So so there's a struggle even internally. uh, And we know this because we know there's at least Nicodemus and there's other Pharisees that are struggling with this reality. But he's sitting there going, hey, you know, we know he's not from God because he did this on the Sabbath. And others say, how could he do the things that he did if he isn't from God? And so there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, how uh, or what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said he is a prophet. See, a prophet was inspired, sent by God to preach, work miracles, and deliver a message from God. Now, he had it partially true because this is the only experience that he knew of Jesus. He was like, well, I know and have heard of prophets, and he seems very much like a prophet to me. Verse 18, it says, the Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and received his sight until they called in his parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son? This is a tricky scenario right here. Who uh, you say was born blind. (laughs) Uh, And then how does he see? So they want to know, was this your son? Was he born blind? How can he now see? Um 20, it says, and his parents ask, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Why are they saying that? Why aren't they concerned? Because they know from the testimony of their son who healed him. They know the miracle of God has been worked in their son because they had, I'm sure, prayed for the, from the moment his birth that he would receive his sight, that this wouldn't be his life. Verse 22, it explains why they're like, ask him, ask him. Uh, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews for the Jews had already agreed. They had made an understanding amongst the people. That if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, which means the Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. See, the parents were afraid to speak the truth that they had already heard because they didn't want to be kicked out of their spiritual family. It was a big deal for them to be excommunicated, moved out of the family. That was almost like we're taking your salvation away because salvation for the people of Israel was through the community. Not necessarily, but it was connected to that community, connected to the life and cycle of the temple and all these things. And to be removed from that, they were terrified of it. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God, which he had been doing the entire time. We know that this man is a sinner. Only a sinner in their eyes because he disobeyed. Their law of the rule of the Sabbath. 25, it says, he answered, whether this man is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, I now see. And they said to him, which he's already told them this, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he he answered him, I have told you already. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And I love this. I love this. Hear this with a little sass. Because there's sass in this. Do you want to become his disciple? Is that why you want to you validate that Jesus is who he is? So that you can worship him and follow him? Ooh. <coughs> this man was not going to be like his parents. Pushed off or afraid. Because something greater has come into his midst. He has now seen the, the, um, the people... The the synagogue, the Pharisees have never done what he is experiencing right now. Verse 28, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple. He doesn't even clearly know who he is yet. He's going to become in just a second. You are his disciple, but we are the disciple of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. If you back up three chapters or four chapters in John to John, um, chapter five, verse 46 and 47, he's talking about Moses and he says, if you do not believe Moses, or if you, um, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe in his writing, how will you believe in my words? So they're saying, hey, no, 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 we know Moses, we trust his word. And, and Jesus is like, hey, hey, if you trusted his word, you, you, you know about me. Verse 30. And the man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. He's like, you're idiots. <clears throat> you do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen To sinners, but anyone who is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And here's the key he even knew this. Verse 32 Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him. They're they're tired of this ass you were born in utter sin And you would teach us And they cast him out Because they didn't like his words because his words Did the same thing that jesus has been doing for the chapters leading up to this is hey the bible The old testament has been pointing to me from the beginning I am i'm the light of the world Trust me. And then verse thirty five. It says Jesus heard that he'd been cast out. And having found him, he asked him this he asked this question. It says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Which is talking about the Messiah. And he answered. See, he, he he's not even sure. He know it was Jesus, but he's not sure who Jesus is officially. And he answered, And who is he, sir? that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Because he was worthy of worship. See, when we see Jesus, see Jesus. Worship happens. See, we sing songs at the beginning of our service, and there are words up here that point our attention and our affections to Jesus. But if we don't see Jesus, we're just singing songs. We're just saying words. But when we see Jesus, our natural outflow of our heart is to worship because he is worthy of worship. And he's showing over and over again, I do what no one else can do. Because I am the one who created everything. Everything exists because of him. And I love this. I love how the religious people had spies that were always following Jesus around, even in this moment. So like they're lo- he's looking for the man, Bob, he's looking for Bob. He finds Bob and there's people around listening to this conversation. In verse thirty nine, Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may be may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to him, I love this. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see your guilt remains. He's saying the Pharisees were like, we're the ones that are shepherding, shepherding God's people. We're the one where and they in their mind think, because you'll read this a few chapters later, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, they make their plan. Finally, we need to kill this man because it is better for this one man to die than the whole of our kingdom be taken away from us. Our religious power, our religious authority, our, 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 our stuff, we, we don't want that to go away. So it's better for us to get rid of them. And what he's saying here, it was like if you just said, I don't, sorry, I don't see, but I want to see, I would give you sight. But if you say, hey, I'm righteous and I'm good, but you're not blind, 100%. So here's, a, here's, here's where I want to land today i want to say this um we cannot have a kingdom perspective a biblical worldview without sight from jesus because we will hear with empathetic ears and our hearts will hurt for people that are hurting which they should but our hearts hurting for other people shouldn't bend the word of god See, we cannot see. There is no sight without Jesus. Until Jesus opens our eyes, we want and, and I want to just tell everyone in the room, to some extent or another, there is blindness in your life. To some extent or another, there is blindness in my life. And I'm confronted with it. I'm confronted by it all the time. I mean, no lie, last night when I was going to meet uh, my son, I'm 74, it's a four-lane road, I just go a little faster than I probably should. I saw some blue lights ahead of me, and I was like, I better slow down. And I did. And I don't know what was going on, I don't know if they were looking for somebody, but there was like six or seven cops within like a mile and a half. And I dropped my son off, and I'm like, oh man, I got away. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit going... You're not always going to get away. So you probably should change some of your, ha- your behavior. So I, I'm like, because I'm thinking, hey, you know, 70 and this 55. It's four lane, No big deal. I'm going with traffic. I'm going with traffic. If I go too slow, if I go the speed limit, I will get ran over. I will offend somebody, and I don't want to do that. But the truth is, there's areas in our life that we're blind because we take the standard of how we should act and how we should live from the world. Because I'm going, everybody else is speeding. No big deal. Like, I'm, a, I'm with the crowd, and there's so much. And I know that's a funny thing because we all speed a little bit. For those that don't, you know, we're behind you angry. Um, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit has made you like that to show something in our hearts that we need to deal with. So keep doing it because you're doing the right thing. I'm just going to say, but if I get real close to you, get, put a sticker on the back of your car. Cause if I definitely see a reach sticker, like I will not tailgate you. I promise. I ride by people. Sometimes I'm like, please don't let them go to the church. I just wanted to get beside you to wave. I'm going to slow down and get behind you. See, Jesus is still doing the impossible. He's giving sight to where we don't have it. And we need to be a people that's going, hey, God, there's still things in my life. There's still areas in my life that I need sight. See, Jesus continues to do what no one else can do. Lazarus, he's showing himself in just a little bit. And it's a crazy story. If you've not read the life of Lazarus, just keep reading a couple chapters after this and and you will see that Jesus intentionally lets one of his good friends die, sit in the tomb for four days and raises him from the dead. Because Jesus is telling his people over and over again, "Is me. God, God, I I said that we would come and I'm here. I need you to see me. So here are some questions for you. Where is there still blindness in your life? I'm going to invite the worship team back up too. Where's their blindness still in your life? And here, here's what I want, I want you to say. Blindness to what? Blindness to your sin in his holiness. See, until we understand his holiness, we'll never have a proper view of sin. We're like, oh, it's not that bad. I'm not, I'm not, you know, this is just this level of sin and you know, I'm not like these other people that are this level of sin. These level of sinners are just horrible, but I'm not. Hear this. Jesus says, be holy as I'm holy. And until we're holy as, his holy as he is holy, there's an area in our life that we're not seeing or identifying it for what it is so that we can step out of it. So where is there still blindness? There. And with that, maybe, maybe, God's told you to go to the pool and wash. And you're still sitting on the side of the road with mud on your face going, I can't see. I can't see. It's not working. And God may be even now saying, hey, I just need you to walk. I need you to walk. I need you to do the thing that I ask you to do. I need you to do it. To go into the pool, whatever that is, I just need you to be obedient. My next question for you this morning is, where is Jesus looking? And this is the painful one. Everybody wants, to some extent, sight, clarity. Not everybody wants to suffer for any period of time so that God would be lifted up. So listen to this question. Where is Jesus looking to use your life to bring him glory? And are you willing to allow him to do it anyway? <laughs> Not many people are like, sign me up for that, brother. Uh, Is there a list out front? Like, that's what I want. I want more suffering in my life. I would like more pain. But the truth is, and we'll talk about this in James, pain and suffering is one of the tools that God uses to clarify who He is in your heart. And without pain and suffering, we won't see or experience God, in my opinion. And I think Scripture tells us that over And over and over again. So are you willing to be used by God even if it means suffering so that Jesus would be seen and known by others? Jesus says this um, the chapter before in 8. It says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. If you want sight, ask for it. This man was just sitting on the side of the road. He wasn't banking at Jesus. There was other blind people that heard that Jesus was walking by, and they yelled and called and wouldn't be stopped until he came. This man was just sitting on the side of the road. And I love, I love this. Some of us were sitting on the side of the road. We weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus came looking for us. And he invited us into his story. Which really, that's all of us. Every one of us, if, if our life is connected and walking with Jesus, it is because Jesus pursued. Jesus knocked on our door. Jesus did stuff for us. And, and what I want to I implore you, I want to ask, is don't settle for just a little bit of Jesus. I think our country, uh, American Christianity, has been inoculated with just enough of Jesus that we reject the real Jesus. And Jesus doesn't want to give you a little bit of him so that you experience him for eternity. Jesus wants to invade your life. Because him evading our life, him entering us, gives us the best life that we can have. It changes everything. It restores marriages. It restores family. It gives us hope even when we have no hope. When everything else shouldn't be where it is, we can have Jesus And experience that. And so this morning, uh, if you find yourself either aware of blindness, acknowledge it, confess it, ask God to give you sight. If you're like, I'm sure there is blindness, but I don't know what it is, ask God to expose it to you. And if you've been sitting on the side of the road blind and you want sight, ask for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that um, you didn't just walk by this man. Lord, I I believe um, that there are people in this room that you're not going to walk by either. You're not going to ignore anymore. (laughs) You're going to stop and invite them into your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do what you do, that you would spit on the ground, that you would make it into mud, and you would cure our blindness. Lord, we want to be a people that see but we don't want to be a people that just see things we want to pe- be a people that see you and i pray that you would take us to that point just like you did with this man do you believe in the son of man i believe that you would take i pray that you would take us to that point of going i will show me and i pr- i pray that our eyes would be open that you are the king that you are the messiah that you're worth laying everything else down And lord, I pray that you disrupt our idolatry even if it is of ourself And lord you let us like the psalms say that uh, of the um, The idols that they have lips that don't work and ears that don't hear and hands that don't move lord I pray that we wouldn't worship a thing that cannot save us. Lord, we lay those down. We lay the worship of success, of fortune, then of pleasure. We, We lay these things down so that we could experience the light of life that comes from you. Lord, I pray that you would spark in us a fire and a flame that would not be satisfied. Let your kingdom work through our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.